This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome back to some of the Cooler Jets podcast. We host Ben Blessington and Michael Nania. Well, Michael, Jets three and three coming out of the bye. A big one this weekend against the crosstown rivals, the New York Giants. And so we thought, why not bring on a guest? We've been meaning to bring on some guests for these preview pods, and we've been slackers. But we have Rivka Board, who's a fellow writer at JetsXFactor.com, but she also writes for Big Blue View to give us the Giants perspective. Also part of the Jets X Factor Fantasy League. And so I can thank you for cutting DeAndre Swift after week one, because that's honestly saved my three and four team at the moment. Um, but Rivka, how are you doing? I'm good. Um, did a Giants preview pod earlier today. So now I'm on with the Jets side. And if you wanted to know where my allegiance lies, it's definitely on this side. So uh, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to talking about this and talking about why the Jets are going to win. Well, I was saying, I was reading your your preview article for Big Blue View, so I'm getting the Giants fan perspective, and I was I was saying to Michael, I was like, if I was a Giants fan reading this, I'd be like, all right, we have a good shot. You know, the Jets have Max Mitchell at right tackle, and we have Kayvon Thibodeau going up against him. McGovern's been pretty bad this year. He's giving up a, a high pressure rate. We got Dexter Lawrence against it. Like, I was reading your whole breakdown, and I was like, damn, the Jets are, you know, this is going to be a tough game for them. And then I, th- then I zoomed back out, and I'm like, you know what? Jets three and three coming off of beating the Eagles. The Giants have been a bit of a mess this this year, but the last two weeks they've been a lot better. I guess let's start let's start with the Jets offense and Zach Wilson because I think that's what all eyes are on. Is teams three and three game and a half out of first place in the AFC East? They have a chance here, but it's all going to come down to the quarterback, and he's facing a defensive coordinator and Wink Martindale who's going to throw a, the kitchen sink at him. I mean, he's going to be. Showing blitz or blitzing on pretty much every single play, and it's how is Zach Wilson going to respond to that? So I guess we'll just start with Zach. What are you kind of expecting the Giants to throw at him? And then how do you feel Zach is in year three and handling some of those zero blitz and looks that, that Wink Martindale is going to throw at him? So first of all, you should just know that Wink Martindale blitzed uh, Brock Purdy 85% of the time. Um, nice. <laughs> he, it wasn't, it, he wasn't nearly as high against some of the other quarterbacks, and he barely blitzed actually – um uh Josh Allen and Tua but he I'm saying you know and he's at varying levels against other teams but I would fully expect him to blitz Zach Wilson on almost every play because he's not there again the same way that every other defense is like okay we're gonna play press coverage we're gonna we're gonna you know load the box and we're gonna dare you to throw the bat the ball and you're gonna have to get us out of that look the thing is with the Giants is that from what I saw last year in particular when you try that kind of thing, you better be able to f- get your run fit against Brees Hall because you over pursue and he's gone. And that's one thing the Giants did a lot last year and early in this season. They've, you know, they've been better against the run too in recent weeks. 
Um, but you know, again, if you're going to blitz, if you're going to blitz that much and you have a running back like that, he breaks one tackle. He's gone. Yeah. Michael, you were kind of talking to me about this too. The last few weeks we've been pounding the table to throw early and that'll open up Brees late. But then we were just talking. Now you're thinking maybe flip it on its head for this week. Also, yeah, hi. I, I, I never really introduced you in the pod. We just went straight to Rivka. I hope you're well. I saw Byron yeah, um, I'm glad to be on this podcast. It's always <laughs> been a dream of mine. So happy <laughs> oh, to be after here. you were slandering it on Twitter this weekend. <laughs> Well, there were that quite is, a few people who true. did not understand I mean, the inside the inside joke that was going on there. That but. was hilarious. Like I was saying, this is the worst podcast I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, without, even though in my bio it says that I'm on the podcast. I, I like that I had people stand up for me, even though it was like they definitely don't listen because if they did, they would know that you're on it. But whatever. One guy was like, "This is very rude." I don't yeah. understand the joke. <laughs> It was all because I, I just. It was all because I, I said I was having a tough. Most people say because I don't really have reading comprehension. Skills, it was all. But... Oh, oh, he's going after. Okay, I, it was all just because I said <laughs> that the I was having a tough time cheering for the Patriots. That was all I said. I was just. I, like, I, you know, I said the same thing to my family last week. I said I actually. I think I texted Michael that too, and he was like, yeah. "No, nah, I'm not having any trouble." <laughs> yeah, that's like, what I said. No, I didn't. I, I was like, I know what's best for the Jets, and like, if if the Patriots winning, it's the Patriots winning. The Bills winning is is hard to watch too. So it was it was better and it knocked the you know now it's like the Jets aren't the only team the Patriots have beaten Patriots are another game back in the race for a top quarterback in the draft so it wasn't the worst thing in the world it was just mm-hmm. weird you know getting hyped and then the the camera cuts to the Pats fans and the stands getting hyped I'm like oh I hate these guys I don't I don't I like seeing I do Boston feel that though. like there were some moments where I cheer I was like yes let's go and I was like wait I just cheered for Mac Jones to complete <laughs> yeah. pass. I hate this guy I'm, I'm like cheering Jacecki's doing the gritty and I'm getting hyped and I'm like what the hell is happening man. <laughs> All right, so anyways, back weird. back to back to flipping the game script on its head. You think it's a back, back to the Giants? Yeah, that, that's what I think because I was doing some research and you know seeing like what led to the Giants being so poor defensively over those first five games versus why did they start playing better the last two games? And one of the things I noticed is that their run defense in the first half of games has been very poor throughout the season, but especially on first down, they've been. They've struggled even more in the first half. They're giving up over seven yards per carry on first half, first down runs. So if you come out of the gates running the football, especially on first down against the Giants, I think you could really set the tone and take control of the game. And over the last two weeks, part of the reason they play a little bit better is because the Bills and Commanders didn't really maximize that as much. Over the first five games, they were facing about 14 first half runs a game. But last two weeks, it was only about eight. So the Bills and the Commanders, did they went away from what was working against the Giants, which was pounding the ball on the ground in the first half, taking control, long, efficient drives, let your defense rest, and you got to rest the defense against this Giants offense that has really struggled. That's kind of been the formula that worked those first five games. Last two games, I felt like the Bills and Commanders went away from that because the Giants' pass defense does have some good aspects to it. It's the run defense that really sunk them in the beginning. So I think it's a Brees Hall type of game. And this is a great timing to do it because, you know, Brees Hall, you're coming off the bye week, two games before that, his snap count went up in back-to-back games. So he's been ramping up. He's rested now. I think he's more than ready to take on a, a workhorse role. And in addition to that, you know, last week against the Eagles, the Jets finally did what I was asking them to do for weeks and weeks. And a lot of us were um, passing the ball a lot on first down. They did it 70% of the time against the Eagles. So you put that on film. The Giants are going to be prepared for that, for you to come out pass heavy, expecting them to load the box, especially against this Giants defense that's very aggressive. They're going to be expecting, I feel like, um, 
a pass-heavy approach on first down because of what the Jets showed last game. So I think you could work off of that and use Brees Hall early, get some you know five to six-yard chunks on first down pretty consistently, and then you put yourself second, third, and medium, and you got some opportunities to take some play-action shots. So I really think this is a, a Brees Hall ground-and-pound sort of game, and you want to work off of that versus what they did against the Eagles and what we want them to do, which was pass first, run off of that. I think this is the game you flip it. Mm-hmm. Rifka, I'll go to you first on this. Obviously, bye week was last week, first six games. It's been a whirlwind of a season. The Jets have had to kind of adjust their offense in the fly. There's been a couple of things that Michael and I have been talking about, like he was mentioning, that we wanted them to do. Is there, you know, that we, now that you had a chance to kind of look at the first six games as a, as a whole, then the Jets enter their post-bye stretch on offense, is there anything in particular you're, you're getting frustrated, you want to see them do more? You know, like I'll give you an example. For me, it's like, I'd love to see Brees Hall utilized as a receiver flexed outside a lot more. And he hasn't really had an opportunity to do that, but it, it, you know, in my eyes, it's like, and you were talking about this in your preview article. It's like for an opposing, if you're an opposing team, Garrett Wilson is really the only receiver you have to worry about. I mean, Alan Lazard is great. I, I actually am a big Lazard fan. He does a lot of the dirty work, but he's not really a guy who's beating man coverage. Conklin actually is pretty solid tight end and, and you can get the ball to him, but Brees Hall is in my opinion already one of the better backs in football and he has that receiving threat that we haven't really seen fully utilized in his career that it was at Iowa State and so in my opinion it's like you have Garrett Wilson that's your best receiver Brees Hall that's your second best player on offense and you got to find ways to get the ball to him especially you don't have you don't have Tipman you don't have ABT get the ball to him in space as a receiver so when I'm watching, that's what I'm hoping to see, that we can see the ball thrown to Brees. Is there anything else from the offensive side of the ball that you're getting frustrated with Hackett that you'd like to see them them implement? So, you know, you're mentioning about Brees. Michael had written an article in the offseason about how Hackett was the good a good coordinator to take advantage of that and to utilize Brees more because we saw him in a limited sample size last year run some nice routes and really like, you know, you know, kind of like how Conklin, you know, gets gets by linebackers with his rocker step and whatever. Like we saw him, you know, really, you know, make good moves and get around, you know, and get open. And, you know, they haven't really done it this year. There was one time again, one play against the Eagles that Michael pointed out where they had Brees lined up um, over a linebacker to the left and he got open, but Zach was looking the other way. So he didn't see it. And I said, Michael said he didn't blame Zach for it because he wasn't looking that way. But I said, if you have Brees one-on-one on a linebacker, that should be your first read every time. Most quarterbacks, right. yeah. when they have a running back split out wide and, and a linebacker is covering them, that's where they look first. I remember Rodgers doing it all the time. They would line up Quincy Williams over Aaron Jones and just throw it straight up. Now, it happens to be, it, you know, Jones didn't get two feet down, as we were talking about last year. Um, you know, I, I know that with the Giants, when uh, Saquon Barkley, even in training camp, the, they would split him out and the linebacker came to cover him. That's where the ball's going. You know, I'm not saying to throw it there, but at least look there. And so I, I do, I would want to see them, you know, incorporate that more. But also, yeah, like look, you know, just this is from a Zach angle, like look at your most advantageous spot. Like I was watching, I was actually just today, I was watching some of Joe, um, Joe's, uh, you know, film reviews because I had, I had missed a couple of them. I was watching the Eagles one, but then I went back and I watched, I was watching the Denver one also. And one thing he was pointing at, I think he pointed this out from the Eagles game. He said like, there was one play. Why are you looking at Cobb first? Why is he your first, why is he your first read? Cobb should never be your first read. And so like that kind of thing, I don't know if that's a Hackett thing. I don't know if that's a reading coverage thing, but it, it does feel like a lot of times, like the he's not looking to the right place. There was another, there was another play Joe pointed out where the, the, it was a four on four where it would have, should have been, thrown as a screen to cook 
then the linebacker blitzed. So it would have been, he would have had numbers out in front of him. And then Zach tried to throw an out to Hardman, a speed out to Hardman. Um, when he had the when he had the uh, the screen set up very well, one, one of the set. few targets to Hardman. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it was a stupid throw; it was a bad route. But the thing is, it's just like, okay, so why is this happening? Is this just Zach, or is he being told, no, this is where you're looking? Um, like, I was I was actually reading a video, uh, reading video. I was watching a video <laughs> the other the other day from uh, Alex Rollins, who I watch, you know, I watch on YouTube, and he does a lot of film breakdown. And he was talking. His the title of the video was that. Um, uh, Sean Payton is neutering um, Russell Wilson. And one of the things he said is literally that there were plays where like he would dial it up and then he would tell Wilson, no, you have to throw the ball here. Like you could see it from the way the play was designed. And it, it was part of a larger video, but that's sometimes what I wonder is if that's what they're telling Zach is you have to read it like this. And maybe it's just that Zach can't do it on his own and, and you know, which is a problem, but they're kind of stuck with it. But it, it just feels like so often, like, like, what are you doing? Like, why is that? Why are you looking there? Yes, yeah, sometimes it's easy to watch it frame by frame. And Michael pointed out sometimes where I did this, where I said, oh, you know, this was open. And he was like, well, it really only got open once he released the ball or things like this. But there were still plenty of times where I, I think I pointed it out in an earlier article also from like a couple of weeks ago saying that Zach would just never be playable because he's always looking to the wrong place. And that's why he misses open receivers. Yeah, I remember having that feeling after watching the Patriots game where it's like it was frustrating the amount of times where it was like he was looking at the you, – you'd think pre-snap he has the numbers advantage on one side and then he's looking at the complete other side of the field. And I've described him like this on the pod before, but to me, Zach Wilson right now is a two-read quarterback, which isn't the worst thing in the world with this defense, but it's pretty much some variation of Wilson and then either Lazard or Conklin or whoever's is the second receiver on his progression, and then it's either check down or scramble. One, two, check down or scramble pretty much every play. There are a few examples, you know, obviously that big play he had to Conklin uh, against Denver at the end of that game where he was, you know, scanning cross field and throwing to Conklin. And I think he was like his third read on that play. But for the most part, what the Jets are asking Zach Wilson do to do is pretty simple. He's beyond a one read quarterback, but he's a two read quarterback. Then get to the check down and scramble from the Giants perspective. And you can honestly lay out a lot of the stuff that you wrote in that article. If you're Wink Martindale, you look at a quarterback like Zach Wilson and you and you think, hey, we can make this guy see ghosts. With our pressure looks, we can confuse this guy. We can show him a lot of guys at the line and then drop him out back into coverage, take away some of the checkdowns, and make him beat us from the pocket. So from the Giants' perspective on defense, what do you expect them to do to, to attack Zach Wilson and the rest of this Jets offense? I mean, you said the kitchen sink, and that's pretty much what Wink does, meaning it's not just that he blitzes, it's how he blitzes. I mean, he does all sorts of, um, you know, like every blitz that you can possibly think of, uh, he'll, you know, he'll come up with. And then the the thing is that there's going to be man, man coverage behind it more often than not. He likes to, he likes to play, you know, aggressive man. Which was Zach, Zach did well against, against KC. I mean, you know, again, and if you have the right, if you have the right call for it, you know, it shouldn't, it shouldn't be such an issue. I mean, and you know, for example, if they're blitzing, run screens behind it. I mean, you know, if you know that they're going to blitz, they, the thing is that very often when they show cover zero, they usually are running cover zero. Like, you know, it's funny. It's one thing I noticed, you know, Jason Pinnock, right? Okay, right? Jets cut him. A lot of Jets fans were not happy. Signed with the Giants. He's this starting. He's playing actually as the starting free safety for the most part. Obviously, you, you know, the, you rotate, but very often he's the single high safety. And one thing I noticed, though, is when I noticed this from last year, I didn't even necessarily follow up with it, but I noticed this last year, whenever he was near the line of scrimmage in the box, he almost always blitzed. Like 
if they put him deep, okay, he was deep. But when he was anywhere near the box or or mug, you know, it, you know, in one of the gaps, he was always coming. The thing is, the def- the offense knew it, so they would just throw behind it. Um, you know, you, you replace the blitz, and it, I'm you saw it over and over again. I, I wrote an article about Pinnock, and that's why I noticed it. I was like, wow, this is actually crazy. How often? So if you look at at their at the way they run their blitzes and say. Um, you know, I, I would I would definitely expect those blitzes coming all over the place. Wink likes to blitz six or seven. I mean, I think he blitzed Purdy with six or more guys a third of the time, um, meaning not just a one-man blitz, but, you know, not just, you know, if you're going to call a blitz like five pass rushers, he sent like six or seven. Um, and so, you know, I would expect something like that because, he, you know, the perception is that Zach can't play against the blitz. Um I think he's, but I think he's done a bit of a, I'm not saying he's doing a great job against it, but I think he's done a serviceable job against it. Um, you know, he's not like this guy who he's not going to have, he's not automatically going to have a complete meltdown because someone's blitzing him. Right. Um, the other thing I'll just point out, I mean, yeah, let's say, so the Giants last week really faced Sam Howell, right? They sacked him a bunch of times, pressured him all over the place. The thing is that, you know, the Eagles also sacked Zach, what, five times and pressured him a bunch, but I don't I wouldn't say Zach really looked rattled in that game. Yeah. I wouldn't say so. So, you know, I'm not saying for sure Zach is definitely can be rattled, but I just, I'm not like overly concerned, even if he gets sacked at times and it will happen and they'll punt in a defensive game in the grand scheme of things, as long as they can get a few drives going and actually, you know, punch it in a couple of times. You know, I'm not the, the blitz is not my my primary concern in this game. My as a, as a, from the Jets' perspective, my biggest concern, as I said before, is is Dexter Lawrence um, coming up the middle, because I think you know Zach has you know he when he when he has that pressure up the middle, that's when he starts his spins and his crazy <laughs> going backward and all that stuff. And, Zach Wilson uh, time, baby. <laughs> yeah, and, and Lawrence. I mean, he got his first two sacks this season last week, but he's been a monster. He's still been you know right. he's been a monster all year. And, you know, I, I, that I think is a real, is a, is a threat to really blow up the Jets game plan. And I think the yeah. Giants are going to, going to take advantage of it. Like I said, you know, you send multiple blitzers in the A gaps and, you know, with, with, uh, with Lawrence over, you know, on the nose, you can't really use the guards to help, to help on, uh, on Lawrence because they have to worry about, they have to worry about the blitz. Right. Yeah, I mean, that is really the only chance that I think the Giants have is if they are able to get by this Jets offensive line, which has been up and down. But if they're sending heat and Zach Wilson is looking unsure of himself and where to go with the ball, I mean, that's really where the – the uh, for, in my opinion, though, it's kind of like I would almost rather – you see, always see those stats of like Zach Wilson when he throws under two and a half seconds versus over two and a half seconds. And look, I don't think he's been – like you said, it's not like he's been great against the Blitz. But I would almost rather face a team that blitzes a lot and plays man coverage than a team that's dropping back in the zone, kind of like what the Jets are doing, and taking away everything deep and just trying to force Zach Wilson to beat their zone coverage from the pocket. I feel like Zach Wilson has a better chance to make some of those big plays and show off that arm talent because the Giants are going to give him one-on-ones down the field. They're going to give him Alan Lazard one-on-ones down the field. They're going to give him Xavier Gibson or whoever they want to take. So he's going to have some opportunities to play quarterback, assuming they let him play confidently. It's just, can he avoid the back-breaking mistakes? You know, when Dexter Lawrence comes flying up the A-gap, it's a it's a busted play. Is he going to be able to dirt the ball, or is he going to try to, like you said, spin around, cause a 20-yard sack or a fumble or throw a pick? I mean, that's really going to be the difference between winning and losing in this game is the Zach Wilson turnovers. Michael, when you look at this Jets offense, we'll get to the defense in a second. Are there any matchups? I mean, obviously, Dexter Lawrence versus the interior of the Jets offensive line is probably the big one. But on the perimeter, 
obviously Garrett Wilson going up against this giant secondary. Is there anybody on the offense that you're kind of looking as a, as a prime matchup that the Jets can take advantage of? Well, first, quickly, I want to bounce off something you just said. Uh, I, I kind of agree that this is like a favorable matchup in terms of uh, maybe not favorable, but in a matchup that gives you an opportunity to be successful because of the Giants blitzing tendencies, because they blitz to such a high degree to where the Jets are going to know it's coming, especially, you know, with the way teams typically play Zach Wilson. Then you multiply that by the fact that the Giants just do that by default. I think you know you're going to get a lot of those similar opportunities like he had against Kansas City, like you mentioned, Ben, where, like, you know, if you can get those one-on-ones, Zach Wilson can make good throws if he's reading it correctly, if you have the right call, uh, if he's ready to attack it. So I think they're going to have some good opportunities to do that. It's just, you know, can Zach find those matchups quickly? Can Hackett dial up the right calls to get people open? And if they can, I think there are going to be a lot of opportunities for him to make some big plays in this game. I pulled up the blitz rate numbers. So the highest blitz rate the Jets have faced in a game this year was the Patriots game. That was 42.5%. That's lower than the Giants' season average, which is 46%. So just if the Giants do their normal blitzing rate, it'll be more than anything they've seen this year. So uh, it could be a disaster, but it could also lead to something great if Zach is ready for it. Like like you said, Rivko, you just you just call some screens, throw behind it. Uh, you know what's going to be coming. I think this is a chance for both Zach and Hackett to really finally unleash um, the utmost potential of what they can do with this offense because it, the opportunities are going to be there. Favorable opportunities will be available, and they just got to hit them the way that teams were the first few weeks. I mean, you look at – they were giving up a ton of deep bombs on outside the number of throws um, over the first few weeks. Tyreek Hill had a big touchdown. Debo had a big touchdown on a go route, which he very rarely does. So this is, it could be a big Garrett Wilson game too. So is, uh, speaking of matchups, I could go right into Garrett Wilson. I think this is a big Garrett Wilson game too. I really think it's the Brees and Garrett game. I think that's what this is. Last week, I think I every game is that. The, it is, but I think – you know, we haven't really seen that Garrett game yet where he, like, really takes over a game. I mean, he had 12 targets last game. I think he had, like, 14 against the Chiefs. But we haven't seen that one game where, you know, it's the Garrett show and he's just dominating. I think this could be it because the Giants have had a tough time against number one receivers this year. They've given up just under 100 yards per game to number one receivers. And they've been, like I said, really bad against outside the numbers throws two wide receivers, especially down the field. They've given up over 10 yards downfield. They've given up 13 catches for over 300 yards this year to wide to wide receivers. So you're talking about 25 yards of completion twice a game. So basically, you can get two deep shots to Garrett Wilson in this game. That's the average of what the Giants are giving up. You should be able to get that. So it just goes back to what I was just saying earlier. Those opportunities to make plays will be there. The Giants give up a lot of big plays outside of wide receivers or at least they were before the last two games, and the commanders and Bills couldn't really hit it as efficiently. But that's going to be the key for the Jets, I think, is Garrett Wilson against this blitzing defense. He's going to see a lot of man coverage. Can he dominate those matchups and create opportunities for big plays down the field? Yeah, and I would imagine, Rivka, I don't know if you have something you want to say, but I would imagine a lot of 12 personnel, a lot of 13 personnel, they're going to run the ball early, they'll open up that play-action game, but then, like you said, they can take advantage of Giants are going to send the blitz. Zach Wilson's got to get the ball out of his hands, but he's going to have some favorable matchups. If they do shade a safety over single high, if, that, if that's Pennock to Garrett's side, it's like the Jets need somebody else to prove that they can beat man coverage. We have the Brees Hall. We have Tyler Conklin. We have 
maybe Xavier Gibson gets involved a little bit more. Somebody else might have to step up. Like you said, I, I know it's Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall show, but teams are going to scheme for that if you get too dependent on on one weapon. Uh, Riff, I don't know if you had anything else you wanted to add there, and then we can we can jump to the Jets' defense versus the Giants' offense. So I was just going to say, if you can get the ball out quickly, um, you, you have some opportunities there. Because, again, the Giants earlier in the year, one of the things is their blitzes really weren't getting home. They really weren't. And that's one of the reasons that they would they were just being exploited so much is because they weren't actually getting – forget about sacks. They weren't even getting pressure. Um, and it started to pick up more more recently um, that, you know, their pressure specifically. Now, part of that could be, you know, just the quality of offensive line faced, um, you know, depending on which team and which time I'm saying Washington's offensive line is certainly nothing to write home about, um, you know, and so it's not particularly surprising that that's the game where they're, where they're, you know, they're, they're, uh, um, that they finally started getting sacks and pressure. But again, if you can get the ball, one of Sam Howell's problems is that he holds on to the ball too long. If Zach can just get the ball out of his hand, which has been a focus of his this season, he hasn't always been. I mean, I think his, his average time to throw is still like one of the one of the um, longest in the league. I think it wasn't, and then maybe he had a long a longer average time over the last week or two. So you know, but but still, he's been working on it, trying to get it out of his hands more often. And I think also like yeah, trying to scheme up that yak. Um, because it's besides, you know, getting it down the field, it's like I said, screens, um, they've been trying to get Garrett on those big screens. They haven't really been able to scheme it up yet, but you know, for, for example, you send Garrett on it, you send Gibson on it. I, you know, Gibson, I get that they're really only using him as a gadget player. I didn't really see any evidence that he can run routes. I mean, even in the preseason, it was mostly on drag, like drag routes across the middle, but with the ball in his hands, I mean, he's, he's, he's a weapon. And so you want to, you know, try to send a screen to him or a slant to him or something like that. Try to get him in, in, in the open field and give him a little bit of opportunity for Yak. Um, I think that that's something that you can try to do also. You know, we're talking about man coverage, though. I happen to have noticed that the Giants sometimes in zone coverage, uh, blow they blow coverages. Um, their, their communication on the second level is not great. So you'll see um, – I, I noticed it a number of times where I was watching Deontay Banks' film, and he'll be pointing at someone – pick him up and the guy is not picked up for a good few seconds. So, you know, if you can just read, you know, where they're passing off and go to where they're passing off coverage and zone, probably can get some big plays that way. All right. Let's talk about the Jets defense versus the Giants offense. Rivka, if you're the Jets, would you rather face Tyra Taylor or Daniel Jones? You know, I was just on actually right before we came on here, I was just watching, you know, blew its blitz with uh, Joe and Kyle and, you know, they, they were saying Taylor because they said they think, you know, that Tyrod hasn't looked good against the Giants in the past. You know, having watched both uh, Taylor and Jones play this year, I have to say the Giants offense has looked a lot better with Taylor under center. At the same By the same token, Saquon Barkley didn't play in a lot in most of those games. So it right. could simply be that Saquon Barkley is back. Um, the other thing I would say is that the if the Giants schemed for Jones, the way they've been scheming for Taylor, it could be that Jones would have looked a lot better. And then my answer would be, you know, would be different as of right now, the way they both played Jones would definitely be the better option because he hasn't been able to get the ball out of his hands. Um, I mean, yes, he's been under a ton of pressure, but you watch some of those plays and it's like, Oh man, like, you know how you get frustrated when Zach takes an 11 yard sack because he couldn't throw the ball away. It was happening like on every play. Um, so I, you know, given that I would just say, based on the way Jones has played this year, the answer would be Jones, but ba first of all, Taylor's going to start. Um, yeah. it's, it's almost guaranteed, but second of all, 
you know, I don't know that I don't know how much of a difference it makes, you know, ultimately in terms of the Jets game plan or anything else, really. I mean, you know, Jones, ha- Jones may have a better arm at this stage in his career, but Taylor's completed more deep passes. So, I don't know. right. Yeah, I, I guess Tyler, I know you said Tyler Taylor hasn't had the, the best uh, results against the Jets, but I, he beat us in 2015, those two games. And so I can't Tyler Taylor, I just view as, as a jet killer. Um I, I guess we'll start with the Giants offensive line. I mean, Michael, I, I, I don't know if you want to chime in here, but maybe one of the few units that you can confidently say is worse than the Jets. I mean, the Jets offensive line has been a little bit better this year, but been a, been a shit show, faced a lot of injuries. Like you said, they've had quarterback issues as well, but obviously that culminated in that Monday night game against the Seahawks where they gave up like 11 sacks. Is this the game where this Jets defensive line really gets going and get, I mean, they've had some great games, don't get me wrong, but can get the six, seven, eight sacks. Do you view that? And I'll start with you, Michael. Do you view this as the, as the most tantalizing matchup they've had so far? Yeah, this is the opportunity to do it because I mean, the Giants offensive line is as, as bad as any in the league this year. I think anyone was been forced to watch Giants primetime games knows that. I mean, how many have they had already? Three or four? Whatever it is, it's three or four too many. Yeah, three. We're getting Raiders games every week. I mean, come on. We need more Jets. Just look at the ratings. It's coming up, though. I think that – well, that's true. They're going to have the Chargers game. That one's – but I think that Raiders game is getting flexed out. Not the burst your bubble, but then they get the Dolphins Black Friday game a couple weeks. We're gonna get some I prime be time. So Jets sure. I mean, the Raiders are three and three, Jets are three and three. Jesus, America want Aren't that you game, going Michael. to that Raiders game? I am, I am going to that. I game. think I'm gonna go too. If they beat the Giants, I think I'm gonna go, but that's a 125 game. I'm sorry, they're gonna flex the, the 49ers and the Jags or something like that. Like, come on, America doesn't want to watch Zach Wilson versus Jimmy G or Brian yeah, Hoyer. They've been watching Zach Wilson all year. <laughs> hey, that's true. I, I shouldn't say that. You're right. They have the Jets have the most watched game. So I, I guess. I yeah, but against better enough. teams. Yeah, that's true. Right. I think that, that game gets flexed. But yeah, we'll see. But we'll see. bottom line, we've all been subjected to too much of the Giants offensive line this year. So I, this is definitely the game to get the sacks going because it really just in general, the whole defense line, because I think they've been they've been good so far for sure. But there were some games where like the Dallas game not quite to the level you want to see the Patriots game, not quite to the level dominance you want to see. And they turned it up the past few games, but um, overall, I think they still have room to get closer to where they were last year and then step even further beyond that to make their case to potentially be the best pass rush in the league, because they can be that. I think they do have that ability, but we've got to see some more of it. And they played some really good O-lines. You know, they played the chiefs, they played the Eagles, Cowboys are up there. Uh, so they played some really good competition, but now you got the Giants, the Chargers, the Raiders. These are some really good opportunities to make some plays, especially finishing them, um, which has you know been an issue for the Jets. Or not necessarily an issue, but you know they over the past couple of years have been higher in stuff like hits and pressures than sacks. But you know against the Giants, a team that has already given up 37 sacks this year, which is I just looked at the number and like I, I had to double check to make sure that was right. That is insane. 37 sacks this year. You get you got a chance to have one of those six, seven right. sack performances like they had a few hey, last Seahawks year. Seahawks got 11. Seahawks got 11. Maybe the Jets can get 10. 11. That well, is, the, Seahawks, to do that. the Seahawks got those with a lot of unblocked blitzes. That's, that's um, true. It, it's just it's one thing to just point out. I mean, I must actually wait. That was a primetime game, so I don't know if you guys saw it. But uh, yeah, that, that, that game, that, yeah. That game I mean, by the end, it was like every play. Yeah, like, I just know. It, completely unblocked. Yeah, they, they collapsed a bit. And, you know, like the Jets run a lot of, I mean, obviously last week or last game against the Eagles, they ran 
almost entirely zone coverage. They didn't have DJ Reed. They didn't have Sauce Gardner. And we know as a whole kind of the philosophy of this Jets defense is to take away the big explosive plays. They play their two-high shell. They'll mix in some man coverage on third downs, but they're going to rush four, play coverage, and, and make the quarterbacks, you know, dink and dunk and work their way down the field. And if the Jets are able to get either you know, a big play like a sack or turnover, maybe a penalty, that'll kill drives. And that's kind of been the MO of the solid defense. But occasionally when that the matchup is right, we've seen them lean into a little bit more of the man coverage and to load the box. And Rivka, do you kind of agree with me that this is one of those matchups where you look at it, it's like the only way, I mean, for the Giants to win, if I'm a Giants fan, I'm thinking, okay, on defense, let's if if our defense comes to play and Wink Martindale's really throwing the kitchen sink at Zach Wilson, he starts to implode a little bit. We're able to get some sacks and some turnovers and maybe maybe a maybe a touchdown on defense. For this Giants offense, you're not looking at this matchup against the Jets defense as necessarily favorable, but you say the one thing that the Giants do have is they have Saquon Barkley. This Jets defense has given up. I mean, they've been pretty good against the run overall, I would say, but there's been a few instances. Like I think of that with Jaleel McLaughlin screen against the Broncos where they were able to break that for a touchdown. Like if you're a Giants fan, you're thinking low scoring game, Giants defense creates some big plays, and then maybe Saquon Barkley is able to have a productive 100-yard rushing game. So if I'm the Jets, I'm saying – there's no chance in hell that I feel that Jalen Hyatt is. Be I know preseason incompletion aside, is beating man man coverage against Sauce Gardner or you know Jets have DJ Reed or Michael Carter. I feel like they can go man coverage, single box or single high safety, stack the box and focus on stopping Saquon Barkley. Do you agree with me, or is that a, a recipe for disaster? Considering you know Darren Waller hit him over the top, Tyrod Taylor, like you said, has completed some more has completed more deep passes than Daniel Jones. How do you kind of see Robert Sala and, and Jeff Holbrook kind of approaching this, this giant? So offense? I don't, I, you know, it, I could see them possibly doing, I don't think they're going to do that though. I think that they're going to stick with, you know, what, what they like to do, because I don't think they're that intimidated by the giants offense. They don't feel like they need to go into some specialized game plan. They like to play their game. So assuming that the corners are both, you know, are both back. Um, I think that they'll play the regular their regular shell and count on their defense. Like basically their plan is we'll give up yarders between the twenties, but we, we count on our defense to force you into mistakes at some point. So we'll limit you to field goals or we'll force you, you know, either you, you turn the ball over or we'll force you to punt that, that, you know, they're not. And the biggest thing, yeah, the really the giants offense was going to run through Barkley and through Waller. Um, unfortunately for the jets, those are two areas where they've kind of struggled this year. I mean, covering tight ends has always been a, you know, not a great thing for their defense and uh, you know, and, and the running backs, especially in the first half. So I think they're going to go with, with what they, what they normally do. Um, you know, their zone on first and second down and more man with a blitz on third down, like their typical thing. Cause I think also they'll think that, you know, they can get home with four and uh, you know, and, and I think that, you know, they like their, how their run fit works in the, in the, in, even though, you know, cover four right quarters is known to be, you know, that that's why like people will shift to, and at least in the past, it was like you'd shift to a run play when you saw quarters. Um, the Jets like the run fit out of quarters. So, you know, I, um, I think that the biggest thing in this game actually is for the safeties to, right. to and the linebackers too, but really the safeties to, um, you know, to keep their, to keep their, you know, their responsibilities and to take good angles to the ball. Like, We've seen from both Adams and Whitehead, we've seen from Whitehead for the last two years, a lot of over-pursuit, which is what turns, you know, good games into big games. Like even the the well, the, the McLaughlin play that you mentioned, um, Adams missed the tackle on that play. Right. Um, you know, took a bad angle to the ball. And there was another one where, like, he just, like, ran down the sideline. It was like Adams just 
ran, there was a block and he tried to run under the block instead of over the top of it. And so again, he turned, well, even if it had been a 15 yard gain, he turned it into a 35 yard gain. Um, you know, and the, again, the Jets defense is predicated on not giving up big plays and forcing you to methodically move the ball down the field. I think they're going to stick with that. Um, I, you know, I don't think that they're going to feel like they need to force the envelope in any way. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, you know, but, but from what, and, and it also could be from what we're seeing is that they've been taking a while to adjust, right. Cause we're seeing a tale of two halves. So it could very well be that right. we'll see them come out in their base, you know, their, their, you know, their regular nickel quarters looks. And then in the second half, we'll see them switch. I tell you one thing that the one thing they do have the, in their back pocket, cause you're probably right. I mean, the giants aren't an offense that strikes fear into anybody and the jets defense has been so good. So why, why mess with something that's not broken? But the one, the one thing they do have in their back pocket is putting sauce on Darren Waller, especially if in the first quarter, you know, the giants march down the field and get a touchdown drive and Waller is a big part of that. He's essentially the number one receiver. A big physical corner like Sauce Gardner, he gives you that flexibility. We saw him do it a little bit against Travis Kelsey last year. As a, or as a rookie, we saw him do it against Mark Andrews. He hasn't done it too often in his career because it does kind of mess with what the Jets do on defense with that shell quarters look. But he does give him that flexibility. Michael, is there any matchup for this Jets defense on uh, on this Giants offense? I mean, look, I mean, the, def- the defensive line versus this Giants offensive line is, is littered with them. But in the secondary, is there something that, that you see that that is uh, – you know, you're looking at is something the Jets uh, have the the edge in. Well, I'm curious to see how they handle the screens to Barkley because we know they want to get him the ball. They'll use him in the passing game, and whenever he's out there for them, you know, say what you want about his game and where he is at this stage of his career, but you can't argue with the difference and how the Giants' offense looks when he's out there versus when he's not. So I think they're going to try to get him the ball, and they're going to do that in the passing game as well. So. I want to see if, you know, the linebackers and the safeties are ready to make some of those plays because we have, for the most part, they've been, I think, pretty good. But, you know, like the Denver play and that Tony Adams mistake, and there have been a few others. Uh, they've, they have, and they also let, um, you know, DeAndre Swift caught a touchdown on them last week. So there have been some running back plays in the passing game against them. So I think the Giants are going to try to get Barkley involved. And I'm curious to see if they're ready for that. But I mean, up front, talking about the, Jets D-line against the Giants O-line. I mean, without Andrew Thomas out there, who, you know, is is one of the best left tackles in the league, he's developed into. Um, but other than him, there isn't really anyone you look at and say, well, at least they have that guy. It's kind of just holes everywhere. So, I mean, everyone has a chance to eat in this game. So that that's really the big equalizer because, you know, the Jets offense against the, the Giants defense, we'll see how that goes because the Jets have questions to answer with their – 32nd ranked third down, 32nd ranked red zone. They have a lot of questions to answer, and they're playing a Giants defense that, you know, last two games against a very good Bills offense shut them down and a commander's team that, you know, isn't great, but they've had multiple 30-point games, and they hold them to seven points. So the Jets offense, we'll see how that goes, but the biggest reason you can feel confident in the Jets in this game is that it is just very difficult to see how the Giants are going to possibly hold the Jets defense to anything less than a great game in terms of pass rushing. Like if they get three or four sacks, I think the Giants will be pretty happy with that result. But the potential is a lot higher than that. So this this is a real chance for the pass rush to boost its numbers. Yeah, and I think that's kind of the reason why I'd almost rather face Dan. I would rather face Daniel Jones is because and you saw it last game against Jalen Hurts, so the Jets had a kind of a tough time corralling him. 
The Jets have struggled a little bit against mobile quarterbacks. And look, Tyrod Taylor isn't the same mobile quarterback that he was maybe earlier in his career. But don't don't get it twisted. I mean, he can get uh, out of the pocket. He can pick up those 10, 15-yard scrambles. He can be infuriating on on third downs. So, Rivka, is that is that a big key for the Giants? Is, is t- Taylor using his legs and kind of exploiting what Russell Wilson, what Patrick Mahomes, some of these other mobile quarterbacks have been able to do against this Jets defense? So, first of all, I should point out that Jones is a far better runner than I know. Taylor I know he is, but is. in the pocket, though, I feel like Taylor, he's easier to bring down than Tyrod Taylor. But you're right. Jones probably is um, In the pocket, Taylor. maybe. You're right. Yeah. You're right. In the pocket. Once he's out of the pocket, though, he's actually right. – you, you know, he looks like this. He's the six-foot-five, like, I know. totally <laughs> unathletic, skinny kind of guy. And then you, he runs, and you watch him, and you're like – Wow, he's more. No, he's got the straight line he speed. He's got the straight yeah. line speed. Yeah. It's the pocket. No, but he maneuver. also he makes it like sometimes he, he you know he breaks tackles, he makes moves. But you're you're you are right about that. Yeah, it could be that Taylor more maneuverability in the pocket could be a bigger issue. I mean, he has I think he has ten rushes for fifty three yards over the last couple yeah. of games. So he has you know five for twenty four in one game and five for twenty nine in the other game. So you know he's he'll do it if he has to. He's not you know he's not going to take off and run all day, but he definitely still has some mobility. And that's been a problem for the Jets for the Jets defense this year. Um, you know, at the same time, I don't think they're going to do anything differently. Like I don't think they're going to spy him or anything like that. Um, you know, unlike that, you know, they did spy Hertz. They spied, you know, with Mahomes, the thing is they did spy him at times and he still got out of it. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's something definitely to look out for. I think it's, you know, other than you have, you have Waller, Barkley and, uh, and, and the quarterback, you know, getting out of the pocket. Um, but the, the only thing is hope, you know, hopefully for the, from the Jets end is that they can get enough pressure quickly enough to prevent him from being able to move out, especially if that pressure comes, um, up the middle and then the edges are, are closing the pocket. Um, you know, I mean, again, the giants five across, I and mean, there's no one on their offensive line who, you know, again, you know, no matter who's on the edge, I mean, JJ should have a chance to, you know, to stack a third good game. Um, you know, especially with, you know, he's been bull rushing more. He should be able to do that. Huff, wherever he lines up should be able to do a, you know, have a, another terrific game. Uh, Quinnen maybe, maybe can get, you know, some sacks, uh, you know, pat, stat padding a little bit, um, Quentin Jefferson, you know, all of them, you know, should just be able to, you know, get through on. And if you, again, if you get through on enough guys quickly enough, that should be able to, you know, contain at least the, you know, the, the threat of the, of getting out of the pocket and running. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We're going to do something we do on this podcast for all the preview pods. Where are the Jets better? We're going to go through each position group and briefly go and where, where we think which team is better. And this might be a bloodbath. We try to be unbiased. We try to try to argue things from the other side. But we'll start with the quarterback, which 
Taylor versus Zach Wilson. I mean, uh, Rifka, I'll go to you first. I mean, as sad as it is to say, I'm, I guess the Giants, but I kind of want to say the I'm Jets. Going, I'm, going, I'm going push. I'm going pick them. Right, we'll um, it depends on the week. It depends on, you know, a lot of different things because the, have, a lot of the Giants fans are relying on the fact that Zach's going to turn the ball over. But other than, those, uh, other than those three picks that he threw against Dallas when the game was pretty much already out of reach – you know, he's, he's done a reasonably decent job protecting the football. Like, yeah, that pick against Denver was bad. It was a bad throw, even though, um, you know, I still think Garrett should have broken it up. But it was it a bad throw. It, it, you know, again, no, it was a bad throw. It definitely should have been thrown back shoulder. But th- at the same time, I, I don't think that that ball should have been picked off. Um, you know, he obviously had the terrible pick to Milano in the first game this season. But yeah. I that mean, was the real bad one. Yeah, the, but the last one against Dallas too, where he just sailed. Yeah, right over but head. but I mean, again, Dallas, I take with a grain of salt. Right. You know the whole thing. So you know, again, he has I think a two point seven percent turnover worthy play rate, which is like half of what it was last year. Um, yeah, he's actually half, not really so. the, the quarterback that is super turnover prone. He just has games where he implodes, and then he has the three or four turnovers. But if you look at his career, he's had a number of games where he's you know look at, maybe he hasn't been good in that game, but he's at least taking care of the ball or hasn't had a turnover. And then he'll have a game against the Patriots where he has four interceptions and that kind of skews it uh, a little bit one way. But yeah, I agree. I think, I guess it's, it's safe to say push, although I would hope by, you know, maybe a month from now we feel pretty safe about saying Zach Wilson, but at this point, yeah, it's, I agree. It's I would safe. say push as well. Um, you know, just because like we like the progress Zach Wilson is making, but at the end of the day, the production is the production. They're not putting up points. They're not, uh, you know, he's protecting the ball, but beyond that, the the proof isn't really there to say like the Jets are a threat offensively. It's really not that much different than what the Giants are doing. If you're being honest about what we're seeing, and Zach Wilson has more around him than the Giants quarterbacks have had, so it's fair to say push right now. But like you said, hopefully in a few weeks we look back and we're like, wow, we really said Tyrod is a push against Zach Wilson. But, uh, I mean, Tyrod doesn't turn the ball over either. He ha- doesn't have any interceptions this year. And he's always he's been a low he's interception a guy. Interception. That's always been his game. You know, he's never really been a playmaker. You know, he's a check down guy. He'll take a lot of sacks. He'll scramble. So you've always had that cap on your offense with him. But he's always been great at keeping the interceptions low. So they're they're kind of similar in terms of what they, I feel like they bring to the table. But, um, obviously, Zach is the higher ceiling. So right. let's hope he can tap into that. But push feels fair. All right. Uh, we might have another push here. Running back. Saquon versus Brees. I mean, we, we no. can we can evaluate Brees the whole. Brees is a better than Saquon right now. By every I, metric and I, by. I, all right. I was, <laughs> I was trying to be fair. All right. We, we're going Jets. All the two Giants fans we're, listening. That's true. There no, well, sometimes on YouTube you get the opposing fans. Rivka, you say it's pretty. So I think it's Brees. pretty clearly Brees, you know, statistically. Right. But it's also. Barkley hyperextended his elbow last week and he's right. going to play, but you know, he did fumble, at, you know, in the red zone late in, late in the game last week that allowed Washington to nearly come back and tie the game. And it was pointed out on the, I think Tiki Barber pointed out, he would know a thing or two about yeah, fumbling right. in a giant's uniform. Yeah. And we and, got Tiki on the call this week too. Yeah. So Barkley has not been a fumbler in his career in general. I think he only has like four career. He has a very low number of career fumbles, but at the same time he may have fumbled last week in part because he couldn't get that ball fully securely tucked or he had it in the wrong arm because he hurt his elbow. Um, And he's still, you know, again, he's only a couple weeks back from a high ankle sprain. Um, 
you know, so again, he's been, you know, he had a 32 yard touchdown on a, on a dump off last week. And, you know, he's been, he's had a few nice plays and the truth is a lot of Brees' production has been predicated on a few big plays, but by the same token, I think just in terms of, and I'm not saying Burke was bad by any stretch, um, you know, statistic, the, the underlying numbers may not be as kind to him as they are to Brees, but um, he's still a very shifty back that you have to keep your eye on. But I think just in terms of, if you put, the, those two guys in the same situation, all things being equal, Bruce would, would be significantly better than Barkley. Our reputation doesn't count for anything going forward. I, I was trying to be fair, give Saquon, you know, he does have the, the name, but like you said, I guess Bruce has I mean, a... he's had three, he's had what, two major injuries in his career. Obviously, yeah. Bruce is coming off a torn ACL, That's but Bruce is also, and it could be Saquon coming out of college and Bruce coming out of college were similar. But, yeah. you know, it's, I, I think at this point, Bruce is better than Barkley. All right, receiver, feel pretty safe about putting the Jets on this one with, with Garrett Wilson and Al Mazard, but Rivka, I'll defer to you. I mean, the way they've been playing this year, certainly, you know, Garrett Wilson, there's no real Giants receiver has done anything outside of Wondell Robinson who catches balls generally like four yards past the line of scrimmage. Um, you know, again, the potential's there, and Tyra Taylor has hit a few deep balls to Darius Slayton that Jones just couldn't get done. Um, but no, I mean, you would know from fantasy, right? There's no Giants receiver who's worth picking up because none of them have done it. They have some guys who have talent, but I don't know whether it's because of they're just not getting open, whether it's because there's no time to throw it or whether because of the quarterback play. Um, there's no Giants receiver that's really made any impact. So I, I think even though the Jets receiving core is very bare, um, I think just because of the upside of, of Garrett Wilson, you have to go Jets. I don't know, Michael, what do you think? Yeah, I, I agree. There's... Just because of Garrett Wilson, I think that puts him over the top, like you said. All right, tight end. Look, the Giants, again, have the name value with Darren Waller, although, Michael, you wrote that article about Tyler Conklin this week that was pretty convincing how he's been – how he deserves maybe more praise and maybe more props of being towards the upper echelon – maybe not the upper echelon, but maybe a tier two, tier three tight end towards that top ten, um, just given the production that he's given the Jets this year, um, not necessarily in the, in the the you know in the, in the box score, but what he does and – the dirty work that, that he does for this offense. So Michael, go to you first this time, Conklin or Waller, I guess you could throw in your, your favorite guy, CJ Uzama in there. Also Jeremy Ruckert. I mean, I think this Jets tight end room is probably deeper, but does Waller bring you the, the higher ceiling? How do you feel? Yeah, this one's interesting because, you know, like I wrote in that article, I think Conklin's had a really underrated season in the sense that, you know, his box score production isn't great, but what he's done with his opportunities has been excellent. His hands, his route running, even his yak has been high ranking this year. Um, so I really think he should be getting more targets, being more involved, but he's played at a high level. Um, they're deep, like you said. Ruckert's been a great blocker. Uzama plays. <laughs> That's about it. But, um, you know, uh, with Waller, like I haven't really watched the Giants super closely. So, I mean, Rivka, maybe you would know better like about how well he's really playing because you know, the numbers, last they're, they're solid. They're solid, but they don't look great to me. But again, I haven't really watched. Obviously, it's not a great situation. There's terrible pass protection, not good quarterback play. So I'm sure that hurts. But, you know, there's a question of like, what does he have going into this year? He's 31 years old. His production went down the last two years. So, I mean, what do you think? I, I would defer to you on this one because we love Conklin. The Jets have some depth. But uh, Waller obviously is the most talented high upside guy here is is he still that player enough to put them over the jets so i think waller in his prime was a top you know i don't know even sometimes three four tight ends in the nfl yeah. uh, he's yeah. definitely not that anymore um it, it's I, I mean maybe if you put him in a better offense but i think he's just not that anymore 
But is he is he better than Conklin? I do think so. Um, I, I I still think his just Conklin deserves more love and more targets than he gets. Um, I think Waller just as your he's the as a go to he can still be your number one threat in an offense and you can succeed in such an offense if you have the protection to do it and you you know like he can't the Giants' plan this year of having Waller to feature Waller wasn't necessarily a terrible plan. It's more just that everything else has gone terribly. Um, that being said, Waller earlier in the season had some plays that you, you looked at and you said, you, you got to catch that. I mean, I've said that about Garrett Wilson too, but with Waller six foot six, um, you, you watch it. I mean, they had an interception where it's like, oh my gosh. You, wait, wait, wait. What plays is Garrett Wilson? Oh, we've had a couple. Where, where, where's the Garrett Wilson slander coming out of nowhere? I sent you a play today where I said Garrett has to catch that ball, but, but Michael, but he's had a few where you're like, okay, come on, Garrett. There, catch there are a couple. Ball. There are a couple. I mean, you know, sometimes it's a bad throw or whatever. He's, had, like, he's also had some where he's bailed him. He's bailed Zach out a little oh, bit. Oh, yeah, that too. Him. I mean, that 30-yard catch was, you know, a contested catch. He went over over top of a defender that had – Which you thought over. was a good throw. You thought that was a good throw. I said, yeah, stand by it was a good throw. Um, I think it was – It was. I think, it, you know, again, could it have been better? Possibly. Yeah. But I think it was it, – it was, but at the same time, it wasn't an easy catch. He puts it out in front of him. He Garrett Wilson gets depleted. And probably. Probably. No, like, probably. But if he put it – if he puts it maybe a yard past where right. he does, it could be – it would have been a slightly easier catch. But again, it definitely – but that's a catch that Garrett last year often didn't make. Right. And even this year, we've seen him or, at times where he has – you know, everyone's talking about he nearly made that phenomenal one-handed catch in the corner of the end zone. I was like, why don't you go up with two hands? <laughs> like, hey, I mean, maybe, maybe I'm being he overly caught. critical. He also, hey, he also had the he high pointed against. Philly. Oh, I'm not talking about that one. I'm talking no, about no, no, against no, no, the no. Eagles. No, no, yeah, okay. Oh, oh, sorry. No, not, not, that. not that one. No, that one <laughs> should have been an interception, and he yes. made a crazy catch. Yes. Um, I'm talking about the one in the corner of the end zone against the Eagles. It was a first down where he uh, right, he right, tried to yes. throw it up, and Garrett goes up with one hand. It wasn't open. But and it could be that two hands it would have just gone over his head, but he also missed time to jump a bit. Um, so I'm just talking about you know again. Now I didn't expect him to catch that. I just was hoping for a better attempt. But Waller has had a few times where there was a ball that was thrown to him that was high. But you're like, okay, come on, you're a six foot six target. You're supposed to be really athletic. Come down with that ball. Like like he had he had some of them early in the season. He also had it where they just weren't targeting him that much. Um, you know, early in the year they just kind of couldn't get it going and. You know, it, that could be a Tyrod Taylor thing that he's that, or it could just be the way that they're running their offense. I haven't looked so deeply into that as to why, as to why. Sorry about that. Why? Um, no, yeah, why Waller is you know is let's say is doing better, but he you know again he's definitely still a weapon. And we've you know again we've seen Farrell Brown score fifty what was it fifty something yard touchdown against the Jets. We've seen you know various other Adam Troutman had a touchdown against the Jets. Right? It was. Um, we've seen lesser names. Yeah. So we've, we, exactly. So we've seen lesser names than Darren Waller do significant damage to the jets. Um, I, I, I think that at this point it's still fair to put Waller over Conklin, although it's definitely not as, as vast as giants fans would probably say. And it's, and even jets fans. Yeah. And, and yeah. then when you factor in the, the rest of the room and the blocking and the jets ability, I think the jets have a greater ability to, to open up their 12 and their 13 personnel looks than the giants do. So a room as a whole, I still think I'd take the Jets room, but I know that Darren Waller is probably the best. Is Daniel player. Bellinger, so any Del- good, like Daniel as a Bellinger has as a blocker is generally pretty good. I have not, you know, okay. looked too too closely at how he's doing this particular year, but I mean, last year he was he was a very strong blocker. Um, 
the the thing is Waller can't Waller doesn't really block. So I mean the Jets again, you know, Uzama can definitely be spotty with that. But you know, between you know, Conklin, I feel like has done a, a pretty good job, especially in the run game. I feel like this year, no, he's been better than last year. Yeah. At least he's from what I could good. see. Are we, and, ti- are we going tight end Jets or Giants? You know, I, I think that if you're going with the room, I would I would lean Jets, although I would say that it's slight. If you're going with the top end potential, I still have to go Giants. Should we go, we go push, we go push. This right. uh, We were going back and forth here. I think you got to right. maybe say push. Right. Push. Offensive tackle. Maybe it's a different discussion if Andrew Thomas is playing. Evan Neal also questionable, although he's been pretty terrible. Uh, without it, I would take the Jets' offensive tackles. With all of their struggles and injuries this year, I would still take it over what the Giants have. But Rivka, again, I'll defer to you. You've watched this Giants' offensive line a lot closer. It Do, do Becton and Max Mitchell clear? Justin Pugh and who do they ta- who are they going to try to at right tackle? Tyree Phillips. Ty- 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 Phillips. Who they just uh, they just resigned after inexplicably cutting him um, before the season started. But yeah, they just put another tackle on IR and Matt Pert. So <laughs> the, the Giants. If you think the Jets' offensive line is yeah, is I hurt, I mean, John Michael Schmitz has also missed the last few games and is probably going to miss another one. So you know, if again, if you thought the Jets' offensive line is hurt, just look at the Giants. But uh, I think ultimately you look at the four positions right now. Becton is the best of the best of the four. Um, and I'm not, I, you know, Justin Pugh just came off the couch, you know, he, he, he like trademarked it and made, uh, made, uh, you know, t-shirts out of it and everything He's selling it, you know, straight off the couch, you know, for a guy who's straight off the couch, he's done definitely an adequate job, but he's still straight off the couch. Right. Um, and also he hadn't played, um, tackle in like seven or eight years. So, you know, but he was forced into tackle duty. Like he really is a left guard. And, you know, he's been playing tackle because the Giants have, like, no one else to play. So he's a left tackle. I think it's fair to question whether Max Mitchell, even Max Mitchell, is better than both Giants tackles. I don't necessarily say that that's the case. Um, you know, again, it's hard to say with players who really haven't played much this year. Uh, I mean, all three of them, technically. I mean, both Giants tackles and then Mitchell hasn't, you know, hasn't played that much. Get a couple but, games. But I think now. between the three of them, it's mostly a toss-up even. Who's You know, Phillips played last year. His pressure rates were pretty high, but he wasn't a total disaster um, when Neil was out. Um, again, Pew is, uh, you know, I, th- I think he probably in the run game is doing a bit of a better job, but as a pass blocker, he's kind of struggling. I think, though, just because of Becton, you even, again, you could say what you want about Becton, but he's made enough plays this year and given, you know, that, that the Jets can can get something done, you know, again, he's given up his sacks. He's 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 had his his lapses in the run game, definitely. But I still think of the of the four players here, Beckton is by far the best of the four, and therefore I, I think you have to give um, the Jets the the advantage in terms yeah. of tackle. Yeah, Michael, I would imagine you agree with that. Um, yeah, so I'll I go agree. To, I'll go to you first then with the interior of the offensive line: Jets or Giants? Obviously, McGovern, Lakin doesn't seem like Titman's going to play in this game, so probably Schweitzer. Versus, I mean, you mentioned John Michael Schmitz. We'll see if he plays in this game. Mark Lewinsky and Ben Bredesen are the two guards for the Giants. I would. Bredesen's playing center. Schmitz doesn't play, so it would be. So who? Yeah, who fills in then? It... So it's been Marcus. Okay, they all call it McKethan, but to me, it's McKethan until you say okay. otherwise. So Marcus McKethan, who was like, I think their fifth or sixth round pick last year, missed the whole season with a ACL or whatever, and then came back and was forced into action because you know everyone's been hurt. Um, Bredesen missed the game with a concussion, and you know, I, I hope the Jets win this. I, I mean, I hope the Jets. I mean, look, you're talking about the Jets' interior offensive line. You know, I mean, okay, who? There, there was actually a question on they they ran a poll on SB Nation about which if Schmitz comes back, which guard combination should the Giants run? And they had like four options. 
<laughs> so yeah. I mean, yeah. So let, let Michael answer. Who, who's who's the interior offensive line? Do you think it's the yeah? I, I don't think there are a lot of teams in the league the Jets interior would beat without Tittman, without AVT, but the Giants are probably one of them. <laughs> I mean, I, I was just nice. looking at their snap distributions here with all the Giants offensive line and. Like, it's crazy. They've had at least three different players play every single offensive line position. Like, mm-hmm. And we're six or seven games into the year. So that is – that's wild. So, mm-hmm. I yeah, definitely giving interior to the Jets. All I right. mean, just, just simply for being starters, at least two of them. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's go to the defense. Uh, we'll start with the edge rushers. You know, the Giants have cave on, but I think this is pretty clearly – the Jets with Bryce Huff, with Jermaine Johnson, Carl Lawson may, could be his last Jets game. Uh, Will McDonald, we'll see if he gets a little bit more run. JFM, I don't know how I didn't throw him out there first. Um, I think pretty pretty obviously the Jets Jets win this one. Everybody in agreement. Yeah. Yeah, right. and I, I would just add, I you know, I see Kayvon and JJ as very similar players in a lot of ways. You know, not very bendy around the edge, not necessarily great at using their hands, um, you know, but – you know, as much as the the, the knock on Kayvon was that he's not a high effort guy, if you watch his plays, most of his sacks and most of his pressures are on high effort where he, you know, kind of like J.J. where a lot of times he doesn't win cleanly, but he'll, you know, make an effort down the field. Like I, I know even last year, Thibodeau's um, average depth of tackle was very, very high. Like, it, you know, and it was like maybe the highest among edge, qualified edge rushers. And it was because he run, he'll run 10, 15 yards downfield to make a tackle kind of like what we saw J.J. do. Um, so I, I see them as very similar, but I think the Giants don't have anyone else on the edge because Aziz Ojolari is on IR, and they're basically starting Jihad Ward on the other side. You remember Jihad Ward, right? The the guy who uh, with yes. Rogers. Um, he is basically probably Ooh. one of the worst edge rushers in the NFL, both as a run <laughs> defender and a and a pass rusher in terms of someone who's getting significant snaps. But he's Wink Martindale's favorite, so he plays. All right. Well, I don't know who that is. He'll be meeting Wink Mekhi- Martindale. No, no, he's talking. He's no, talking the, oh, oh, yeah, Lord. yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, well, he'll be meeting. He'll be meeting Makai, but maybe the Jets will run some some gap runs this uh, this this game, and maybe maybe Jahab Ward can uh, run into Makai Becton, uh, pulling across the field, and just just a little introduce himself, you know, just mm-hmm. for a little payback from from preseason. The interior of the defensive line. I mean, this one's actually close. I mean, Dexter Lawrence is a damn good defensive tackle. They also have Leonard Williams, Jets legend. But the Jets have Quentin Williams, and I mean, I also think Quentin Jefferson's pretty, been pretty solid this year. I mentioned JFM with the edge rusher, so I'll keep him out there. Uh, Rivka, I'll go to you first. I mean, who has the better interior, the Jets or the Giants? Or so, is the, this a push? so this is one where the Giants fans are going to say it's clearly the Giants because they're going to say Dexter Lawrence is better than Quentin Williams. Get out of um, here. And then I would say, look, I would say based on the way they play, they play totally different positions, first of all. Right. Dexter Lawrence plays – zero or one tech. He plays a right. nose. Quinnen plays three tech. Um, so it's what they're doing and what they're asked to do is very different. Quinnen one gaps, Lawrence two gaps. It's, it's, it's just a different thing. I think they're both really good at what they do. I would say that they're, you know, again, Quinnen had more sacks last year, but part of that was because again, how many sacks does a two gapping nose tackle usually get? Seven and a half sacks is very high for a two gapping nose tackle. I think their pressure rates were very similar. Most of their numbers last year were very similar. Um, you know, this year I think Lawrence might have slightly better stats in certain areas, but you know, Quinnen and others, and you know, they're both of their impact on their run defense is hard to quantify sometimes. Um you know, again, Leonard Williams is not what he used to be. And even what he used to be, I think, was a little overrated. Yeah. Um, 
but at the same time, you know, he's still a decent run defender. He's still, you know, he still can get his pressures. You know, again, beyond them, Sean Robinson hasn't really done anything this year. Raheem Nunez, Nunez Roches hasn't really done anything this year. You know, but again, has Al Woods done much this year? Um, yeah, you got a safety. Okay, on a, like, you know, basically a coverage sack. Um, a coverage, you know, intentional <laughs> grounding. So, you know, I'm tempted to say push. Um, could be that Quinton Jefferson's um, superior pass rush over Leonard Williams would tilt it to the Jets a little bit, but I, I feel like it's it's pretty similar. Um, the other thing I should just also note is because the Giants play a 3-4, they often they, they do sometimes play um, a th- like where they play the three three five where they have um, you know three defensive linemen um, three interior linemen and then edge rushers on the edge where you have a five man front so it's it's a little bit different in that way when you're right. talking about interior rush if you have three men out there they they've done it less recently but they were doing it um, sometimes earlier in the season so it again it's just it's two different schemes and two different different responsibilities so it's very it's very hard to compare. Uh, Michael, any, any thoughts before we move to the linebackers, which should be a Jets bloodbath? Uh, this is, this one is kind of tough because I mean, you know, Quinton is great, but obviously the Jets, I mean, Quinton has been great as the second defensive tackle. I think with what you expect from, you know, that position His pass rushing has been really solid, really efficient. Um, but you know, Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams is a good duo too. I mean, but Leonard Williams has kind of shown some decline this year. Maybe this is, you know, he's starting to reach his fall off stage. I mean, I can't believe he's in his ninth year at this point, but um, I don't know. Does push seem fair? Right, for let's, this go one? The, let's go with the push. All right, fine. Linebacker, linebacker, very clear. Jets win. Everybody, everybody not as, not as close, not as, not as clear as you think it is. Um, oh, okay. come on, come on. Quincy Williams. Uh, he, playing he, like again, Bobby Okereke is playing. He didn't start off the year so well, but he's playing very well. Um, as a two-way linebacker. Now, I'm not saying, again, and and the, the only reason I would say Jets here is because um, Mosley has been playing better in coverage than Micah McFadden, but McFadden has been doing a very, very good job against the run over the last few games also, and they've both been very active um, in, in the game. So even though, again, Quincy's playing extremely well, right? He's playing, you know, I mean, I wouldn't have imagined that he's going to take the kind of leap that he has just in certain areas, like his tackling has just been so much better this year. And his, you know, a lot of his, his awareness and coverage has been better. I'm not saying he's been perfect, but just like those parts of his game that were, you know, deficient, he's really raised his floor in those areas. And it just makes him, I mean, together with his speed and his, his instincts, like it just makes him a monster. Um, you know, mostly has had a lot of good, he's had some bad moments too, but he's had a lot of good plays this year. Um, a lot of good moments, a lot of, you know, I, I thought he was a bit overrated in coverage, but if you watch him, I mean, he definitely has some lapses, but he's also made a lot of really good plays. Like, yeah. you know, you, you watch him, you're like, he really knows what he's doing out there. Like you could see sometimes why the Jets think so highly of him, even though his physical skills may have declined significantly from where he was when they signed him. Um, again, I would give the Jets an advantage, but I don't think it's as major as you think it is. Uh, Michael, agree. Jets? I mean, yeah, like I couldn't speak as much on, you know, yeah, how the I know. Giants I, I, there's nothing for me to say. Doing, you've watched the Giants games more than I have. But uh, yeah, def- I would give it to the Jets. All right. All right. Rivka, can, you, can we agree this this one's a bloodbath corner? Can we just oh, agree? Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. We don't even have to give the analysis. We know Jets win there. And I, I just have to add that the, the reason that it's really a bloodbath is the slot corner. I mean, okay, Cordell Floss played a little bit better recently, but if you look at the numbers, when Adoree Jackson was in the slot, he was giving up 2.55 yards per, per route run. 
their yards per cover snap. Meaning, <laughs> literally, compared to the cover snaps, he's giving two and a half yards per cover snap. If you think about it, like, I don't know what's in, even in the slot. So the average is a little higher, but like, I think like even one is, is like, I don't remember what the numbers were exactly, but you looked at it. He was like double the next guy. Jeez. So. All right. So the, the, yeah. this is a Jets win. We feel. We yeah. Feel yeah. yeah. No corner. Maybe. Corner. I don't think there's any question. Safety. Is Dory Jackson playing in this game? Do we That's know? another question because he hurt his he was Probably out he was with a neck injury board. last year at last week. So it's a question. If he's not playing, then they'll put in uh Trey Hawkins, who was their sixth round pick, who started the season starting at outside corner, which is why they put Jackson in the slot, because they felt that they had two outside corners with banks. And so they put Jackson in the slot. Hawkins didn't play well. Jackson played absolutely horrifically. He didn't know how to play in the slot. I mean, just the things that you have to do, he didn't know how to do. They finally benched Hawkins, put Flott in the slot, put Jackson outside. But now Jackson got hurt, so now they put Hawkins back in. He actually played pretty decently last week. But, uh, um, yeah, I, I'm not sure if, if Jackson's going to play or not. All right, safety. Uh, this one's closer than corner, obviously, with Whitehead and Tony Adams. Who now we got an interesting one. Maybe versus... the one Giants win? Maybe. You know, it's hard to say. Look, McKinney is the most, maybe, you know, again, I hesitate to say that McKinney is the most talented even of the four, because I wouldn't say that so clearly. Um, I think Adams definitely has, you know, can, can match that. But then again, if you could say Adams versus Pinnock, I don't know. You know, Pinnock is pretty, is pretty athletic and, you know, in his own right. Um, the thing with the Giants, particularly McKinney, is that he's a zone safety playing in a man scheme. So, you know, his best year, which was um, in 2021, came when he played primarily as a single high safety in a cover three scheme. So, you know, and now he's been playing in the box a lot or, you know, and a lot of man, you know, man scheme, different responsibilities, you know, and, and he just, he hasn't been that, he hasn't been that impactful. Like just, you know, in terms of like, you know, you, you think of your safety, you're, you know, making plays and things like that. Like he's been most noticeable for missing tackles. So, you know, but then again, you could say the same thing about the jet safeties, right? Both of them. I mean, until Adams had a better game against Philadelphia, not just that interception, but he also had a couple, you know, nice run stops and, you know, was definitely more, more involved, but, you know, I think experience wise to a large extent, if you look at, again, if you look at McKinney versus Whitehead, I feel like you have to go McKinney only because Whitehead's yeah. mistakes cost the jets more. Um, you know, and, and cause bigger issues. I feel like Pinnock and Adams have similar issues and similar, you know, I mean, the, kind of the Jets chose Tony Adams over Jason Pinnock directly. Well, I think that that might be part of because of which, what type of scheme they play, but also because they, uh, they, I think what they were trying to do is get, they thought that it was more likely that they could get Pinnock to the practice squad right. than, than Adams. And, but I think they were hoping to, and it, it just didn't happen. Um, I think it was also because Adam um, Pinnock was a converted corner whereas Adams played corner and safety. So right. just in terms of familiarity with the position, I think uh, um, Adams definitely had a leg up from that angle. Um, I don't know. Michael, what do you think? I would give this to the Giants, I think. Okay. Just because, like, to be honest, I think – and I think you disagree sometimes, Ben, but I don't think Jordan Whitehead's been playing good this year outside of the first game. I think he's kind of been the same, and he's a minus player. I didn't say he's playing – I say he's playing better. I said he's playing better than last year. That's what I said. I said, have... I said to Joe that he's playing he's worse. Same. Or worse. <laughs> why, why, do you think he's, why do you think he's playing worse? I mean, you know, maybe maybe I'm just like, it's revisionist history, but just the number of coverage busts that they've had that seem mostly attributable to Whitehead have been atrocious. I mean, the, 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 I mean, 
I was watching the two point conversion that they gave up against uh, against Denver. I know that it wasn't even that one. No, there was the touchdown they gave up to Troutman against Denver, where it seems pretty apparent that Whitehead was the one who blew that coverage. Yeah. The touchdown to Farrell Brown looked like Whitehead. Yeah. Um, there were a, there are a few other ones. Big Another one plays. against Dallas. You know, again, yeah, big plays where it's Whitehead and just he's really crushing them. I feel like if you say the single biggest negative on the Jets defense this year has been Jordan Whitehead, even more so than he did. He did make a nice play at the end of the game against the Eagles. So um, you know, if you watch it. the play, if you watch the play, it should have been a pick. Probably, if, but. No, but if Hurts had released the ball instead of moving backward and taking two hitches, ball could have very well been complete. Yeah, but was that on what? I'd have to rewatch it again. That Whitehead was, was underneath. By, Whitehead, yeah, he got he got by he Bryce Hall, and then Whitehead had to run all the way back and. Break yeah, it up. yeah, so. no, no, no. It's true. I'm not blaming him for that. And he also he did have one or two like nice cover, nice plays and coverage in the game. Um, the I mean the, the biggest thing with him also is besides his lack of awareness and coverage, like the, I think you know you again you see him like running towards something, and it's like that's not your responsibility. What are you doing? But also then the tackling, like at the very least, like, you know, let's say Quincy Williams. So before this year, he was, you know, or even let's say from 2021 to 2022, 2021 Williams was just a missed tackle machine and couldn't cover 2022. He started being much more sure-handed in the run game, not in the pass game. He still missed a lot of tackles in the passing game, but in the run game for the, he was, he was better. I don't remember what the numbers were, but I, I remember noticing that he was wrapping up a lot better even if he was lowering his helmet, he was actually making the tackles. Um, and that made the Jets want to sign him, right? Want to sign him right. to because it was like he makes impactful plays. When you see Whitehead, all you see him doing is lowering his shoulder and missing tackles and letting guys gain another. The Eagles yards. touchdown he gave up to, yeah. to Swift because he couldn't wrap up on that. Tackle. He almost yeah. dropped, all right. You you were tough on him. In I that mean, that was Mosley's coverage. Mosley probably should have yeah. hit it quicker, and but didn't, still. Didn't Whitehead almost jar it free? Like the ball bobbled and he. But, oh, but he still again, he was almost almost, almost no. Cares he about all for the ball. I mean, you go about. You go first. You have to wrap up. That, that, then you go for that, the ball. That cost him against uh, Cincinnati last year too. I remember he went for the ball and then they broke it free for like a big sixty yard. Yeah, to, yeah, exactly. To to uh, what's his name? Boyd. Was Boyd? Yeah. Uh, all right, last thing, and there was actually a listener who said we should include this in our in our uh, comparison coaching, which is an interesting conversation because I think last year a lot of people would have said Dable, who came in, Giants had low expectations. A lot of people thought that was a year they were going to be pretty bad and made the playoffs. I mean, Dable did, did an excellent job, and then this year he's been under a lot more heat. I will say every time I watch a Giants game, Dable is red in the face and stomping and yelling at somebody like he's not the head coach of the team. So uh, – I would give it to Sala considering all he's had to deal with this season with the adversity of Rodgers and and having to rally back around Zach Wilson, who this team gave up on last year. And they, they have themselves three and three at the bye. Obviously, it's hard to, to give judgment on either of these guys until we see what it's like in, in January at the end of the season. But through six weeks, I think it's pretty clear the Jets have been coaching better football than the Giants have. Would you guys agree? I think so. Yeah, yeah. I mean. I feel like the I was impressed with Dable last year, but from what I've seen, it really feels like the Giants' coaching has taken a step back this year. Like I feel like they schemed it up so well for Jones last year, and like he had a good year, but it seemed like they really set him up for success. But this year, it kind of feels like the opposite. And you know, some of the things I've seen from Dable with like not taking accountability, kind of blaming the players and stuff, isn't great. Whereas with Sal, you know, it's kind of kind of the opposite. Maybe sometimes we feel like he's too player friendly and, you know, he should be a little more harsher, but you like that, you know, the fact that he goes to bat for the team. So yeah, I, I would say jets right now. I'm more confident in the way they're coaching. 
Yeah, so I have, I have some stuff, stuff to say on that because you guys know that Solid drives me insane, right? I, I mean, yeah. I've written, I've written a lot of stuff about it. What? Solid drives me bananas. So, Why? Um, just we're various very, things. I'm very I, Solid on the I see him as, as like not, you know, again, I, I like that he defends his players, but sometimes I feel like it's, you know, again, you don't necessarily know what he says to the players, but it feels like there's a lack of accountability at times within the locker room. I don't care what he says to the media, but I'm just talking about things that you see. Like, I don't I don't like to see Dable screaming on the sideline at, at Jones or whoever, or coming to the podium and saying that Tyrod Taylor was the one who, who um, checked into a run play on the last play of the half so the Giants didn't end up scoring. You know, like what Zach did where he threw – he threw the ball, yeah. you know, so the Giants did the same thing two weeks ago where against yeah, Buffalo. They lost it. the game because he, they, they run the ball from the one-yard line. Um, and he comes out after the game day ball and he says, yeah, Tyrod switched to a run when he wasn't supposed to. I mean, that, that that's that's just not something you're supposed to do as a coach. I'll, I'll tell you what my, my answer is there. There's a few things. First of all, I think Jeff Ulbrich has very clearly outcoached Wink Martindale. Um from a defensive perspective, just in terms of the the game plans that they've come up with for the opponents that they're playing, um, the the Jets and, and considering what their what their their strengths and weaknesses are, I think the Jets' plan has been better heading into games. Um, that obviously their defense hasn't played well in the first half, and they'd have to have they've had to adjust. But I I, I do see like a lot of times like. I think Wink is a little bit more stubborn about how it, and I, I've I've again I've criticized Albrook and Sal for this forever, but I think Wink is a little bit more stubborn about what he wants to do, although he's been a little bit better about that. Um, offensively, I think it's I think it's hard to say that really because I've had critis- big criticisms of both offensive staffs. Hackett, I feel like he takes way too long to figure out that what he's doing is not working. Um, they've had way too many plays where he's not scheming up an open receiver, um, whether that's because he's used to to um, you know, still used to Rogers just making pinpoint throws or something else, but he, I don't think I don't think it's just the Jets uh, the Jets receiving core. I feel like sometimes this, the schematics are just not great. Um, the way the things are designed, you know, spacing things like that. Um, but at the same time, what you said about um, Dayball and and Mike Kafka is 100% true. Last year, they they basically milked everything they could get out of Daniel Jones, and this year they decided that they wanted to make Jones into a high flying hotshot quarterback, and they didn't they didn't re- like give in to the fact that it wasn't working until Jones got injured. So, you know, from that angle, it's like okay, you know, there have been issues on both sides, but I think the Giants were much more stubborn about it. Um, in terms of head coaching. You know, Giants fans are really annoyed about about what Salah said about embarrassing other quarterbacks and claiming it's not, you know, the, the three top quarterbacks and claiming it's not true. Um, Salah definitely, you know, puts his foot in it sometimes. <laughs> like, you know, last year saying we're going to see them again, we're taking receipts, all those things. Um, definitely, you know, keeps us calm more. In terms of, you know, in terms of actual decision-making, I feel like Salah's been pretty okay in a um, situationally, they had a couple of things. Obviously, the throw to Uzama. It's hard to say who whose whose mistake that was. Um, and then I wanted them to go for it on fourth down against Kansas City, um, where Zerline missed the field goal. But other than that, I don't know. I feel like for the most part they've been okay. Um, but I don't think the Giants have done too bad of a job with that either. So, you know, in terms of go ter- the, we got to go with the Jets. In terms of, I know it's a long winded way of me <laughs> saying, you know, of, of answering the question. But I think it le- again, I would lean. Je- Jets, but in the in the in the interest of fairness, I'm going to say that it's not like 
you know, blowing it out of the water like, oh, gosh, they're so clearly um, out coaching. I think, you know, you could talk about it, but they're the you know, overall, the Jets coaching has been better this year. Yeah, and especially with the second half adjustments. I think that's really, where you really can see the, the mark of a great coach is how they adjust coming out of the half. And look, I mean, you can criticize the game scripts because that's a week of preparation and the Jets have not really been – I mean, they've been terrible in first quarters. But I think coming out of half and making those adjustments, that is a credit to the coaching staff and, and doing that in-game. Uh, and then I know this – you were talking more about, you know, accountability in the locker room and you don't care what he says to the media. Um, so this is not what you were talking about. But I do think that people are – take what he says to the media way too seriously. And they don't understand the fact that he gains absolutely nothing for being a hundred percent truthful with the media all the time. Like, especially when it comes to injuries, people get frustrated and look like I understand there, there are things that can frustrate people about Sala, but one of them to me is not him being optimistic about a guy playing on Sunday. And then he doesn't play. Like, you don't know if that's just, I, I highly doubt that that that's him just being completely clueless. I think that's either gamesmanship or sometimes, Hey, things just don't heal the way you thought they were going to heal. It's taking a little longer. This is sore now. Now this is hurt and whatever. And you know, like people blame him too much for not for, for reporting inaccurate injuries. It's like he gains absolutely nothing for being a hundred percent truthful with the media. And now the giants know exactly who's playing on Sunday. It's like, I don't know. People are, I feel like are way too critical sometimes of the things that he says to the media or the fact that he's okay. He's really positive about Dalvin cook and clearly Dalvin cook has been terrible. It's like, Oh, this all guy's clueless. It's like, well, Hey, it doesn't hurt to talk highly about Dalvin cook. Cause maybe you're able to trade him. And also what is there to gain from shitting on Dalvin cook in the media? You know what I mean? Like there are things like that, that fans I think take too seriously sometimes when it's just like, Hey, this is just an obligation he has to just talk to the media, give some bullshit coach quotes and get out of there. He does not owe the fans anything in terms of being like, 100% truthful all the time. Now, I get what you're saying in terms of like, you know, sometimes can he be too player friendly? It's it's tough for us to know. I mean, we got we got a little uh, peek inside in Hard Knocks and we saw him light up the offensive line. And so I think that gave us a different view of Sala. Um, but again, it's hard to, to adequately judge these guys as coaches without being in the locker room. I think the one thing we can say is I think the Jets adjustments have been absolutely stellar this season. I think the offensive coaching staff has a lot of flaws, but Look, they've had to change the entire offense on the fly to build around a, let's just be honest, struggling quarterback. I mean, that's the nicest way I can put it. And Zach Wilson, somebody who wasn't supposed to see the field, and they've gotten better results than the last guy got out of him. So I think all things considered, you got to go with the, the Jets. Now, Rivka, last thing. And also, I don't know if my – I believe my video is probably frozen. Can, because... Yeah, can I, can I just make one quick comment on yeah, that? Yeah, go ahead. It's go ahead, so go ahead. funny. Just, uh, just today, actually, I pulled up what I wrote at the end of last season. I wrote a solid translator which was um, what, you know, what Salah says versus what he means, you know, about injuries. And it was like, okay, Salah says the word optimistic. He says um, yeah. he has a chance to play. It means there is absolutely no chance this player is playing, um, you know, anything like that. But I wrote other things also about how when Salah pumps up players, I wrote a few things about this. And then I was telling the, the uh, we were talking about it with the Giants guys and someone sent something on, you know, from Twitter, which was talking about a devil injury verbiage, um, uh, translator. And I don't remember all the details, but it was like, if he says he's healing nicely, he's going on IR. If he says the guy's going on IR, he's dead. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, it was, like it's yeah. been the case, but like do you, I, people get so upset about that. And I think it's just because to be mad about something or just to be mad about the injury itself. But it's like, I don't care if, if Robert Hall is playing things close to the vest when it comes to injuries, me having uh, an accurate update on Joe Tipman's quad injury on Wednesday makes absolutely no difference in whether or not the Jets are going to win or lose that game. So I don't really care. 
Uh, and, oh, by the way, I don't know if my video is frozen because my laptop is completely frozen. Yeah, so is. apologies. <laughs> apologies to those watching on YouTube. I'm sure I'm making some ridiculous face that yeah, everybody has to look okay. for. All right. Th thank God I didn't get frozen. This has happened in the last few episodes. Uh, last thing. Got to get a new computer. Last thing. Um, random predictions. Rivka. We'll do the score prediction at the end, but I want one offensive prediction and one defensive prediction. Uh, I'll start with the defense. Michael, go to you and then Rivka. Then we can go to you just so you have some time to think. Random prediction, I'm going to go Quinn and Williams, two sacks. That's my one, I know, quite bold, going with the best player on defense to have two sacks. But you know what? He hasn't he hasn't piled up that many sacks this year. I think this is the week that he does it. Um, Michael, I'll go to you for your defensive prediction. You got one? Uh, Will McDonald's strip sack. Oh, okay. By Jermaine Johnson. He goes, he goes too hyper. He gets way too hyper specific, but okay. <laughs> I can't, my computer's frozen, so I can't even write these down, Michael. I'm, I'm going to need you to do it in the, in the doc this time. Uh, McDonald strip sack recovered by Jermaine Johnson. Rivka, we got a defensive random prediction. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, I have to, you know, it's it, the defense is tough, especially since you guys both went with, uh, you know, things that I would have maybe thought of. So I'll go with that. The jets are just going to, the jets are going to get at least six sacks. Six sacks. All right. Ooh, I like yeah. that. Nice. That's a good one. I like that. That's a good one. All right. Nice little team uh, prediction. And now let's go on the offensive side of the ball. I haven't really thought at all about my offensive prediction. So instead, Michael, I'll go to you first. Let's hear random offensive. Actually, you know what? I have one. Are you ready for this, Michael? Are you ready for this? And yeah, I'll be putting some yeah. money on this. My strategy, I said this to Michael, I think last week, maybe it was a few weeks ago. I said, I'm going to just start putting money, uh, five bucks every game on an anytime Jeremy Ruckert touchdown, because I feel like <laughs> he's going to score one this season. And I just want to have it. I feel like his odds are Really, I, I forget exactly which game it was, but his odds were crazy high. And it's like, it's not out of the realm of possibility Jeremy Ruckert scores a touchdown. I believe he's going to get one this season, and I'll, I'll put my money where my mouth is. I think he gets it this Sunday against the Crosstown Rivals, hometown kid. Can, I, can I just jump in there for a second? Um, you know that in the first game of the season, I didn't end up publishing it, but I was writing a betting, you know, best prop bets, best bet. And two of the ones that I had in that article that I didn't publish were Xavier Gibson anytime touchdown and Nick Bowden anytime touchdown. <laughs> now Gibson got a touchdown. I think Bowden did. I don't remember. I think it was a Patriot game, right? Where he got yeah, the, he, he got the touchdown. So I was like, yeah, I knew, you know, I knew that that was going to happen eventually. <laughs> um, so you're you're saying Ruckert? I'm saying I was it's going to happen Bowden. with Ruckert. It's going to happen yeah. with Ruckert. I'm th I think it's this weekend. So that's that's my bold prediction. Michael, you got one. I feel like every week I want to say Rucker because it's it's a good like it, it it's back off stay off my unlikely territory. enough to be classified as random but likely enough to where you feel like it actually could happen. So I'm gonna say something very random that I think no one would think of. Randall Cobb touchdown. You know he's had a couple. Uh, isn't he hurt right now? Oh, uh, he he came back to practice today. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, that's that's a disgusting prediction michael but okay <laughs> Rivka, do you have one yes i do um i'm gonna say that Brees hall and garrett wilson combine for at least 180 yards of offense i like that that's a that's a much more pleasing prediction to hear than randall cobb touchdown i like the the garrett and Brees involved you know last week one of my best bets on the uh, prop bets on the my, on the on big blue view was that saquon barkley and terry mclaurin would combine for at least 175 yards of rushing and receiving they had 186 so I'm like, okay, we're, let's get a streak going here. All right. Well, then this is the last prediction, and then we'll get out of here. Score prediction, guys. Let's hear it. Jets, Giants. Did you give an, oh, you said Rucker touchdown. Yeah, I right? said Rucker touchdown, Quinn Williams, two sacks. I went relatively conservative this week with my random predictions, although still random enough that I, I'm sure if that was a, a parlay right there, the odds are pretty high. So 
Um, How about one over-under? I got an over-under. Three and a half. Changing the rules. All right, fine. Go ahead. Let's hear it. Three and a half. Tiki, bar- uh, Tiki Barber, subtle digs at Zach Wilson. Oh, pff, over. Over, yeah. <laughs> I want it to be a ten and a half. I, yeah. I'm, I'm going to try for the first time. I've never done it. I've heard uh, people have done this before. Where they sync up Bob Washington to the TV. They they take the Jets radio and then I they. I feel like it wouldn't work good because like obviously he's I know great, but like he it. calls it on a delay. Like, yeah, so but if I'll you sync it up at, it at the same time as a video. It's like he's like yeah. I'll he, sync he it up. He sees the play and then he describes it. Yeah, you, you sync it. Right if you, people sync it up, I wish I could hear with shoes. And I like with shoes. And I love watching his, you know, the, the call with his. Uh, I don't really love Marty Lyons, but I like with shoes. I don't know if anybody has any tips on how to do that exactly outside of just. You can probably like, Google it, I imagine, or ask on Reddit or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I. Yeah, <laughs> over under three and a half. It's going to be. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, that guy, did he, didn't he say that Daniel Jones was gonna have a better season than Aaron Rodgers this yes, season? Yes, uh, you know what? I guess technically he was right. Tiki? Was that Tiki who said it, or was it so? Or was it, it Tiki? Right? Was it Tiki? Was someone on FAN? I don't um, know slander. I could be wrong, but I believe it was Tiki. Um. All right. Do we have a score prediction? I'm not totally right because Rodgers is still even in the touchdowns interceptions. <laughs> That's Jones true. is negative. That's true. <laughs> Minus four. Yeah, you know that was that was a that was a very uh, dumb prediction to put it mildly. Um, and and you know, look again, having been like on both sides of the aisle, I was like, you know, I don't really care. Jones's best was worse was basically worse than Rogers's worst. So maybe even like I don't know, did Jones play so much better than Rogers last year? I, I don't. Maybe maybe somewhat, but basically yeah. that was it. So it's dumb. But anyways, uh, you're going with a score prediction. Yes, Michael, what's yours? So I got a five and one record. I did pick the Jets last week, but I disclaimer: it was before we knew Sauce and Reed were gonna. Well, Reed we may have known, but it was definitely before we knew Sauce was out. I mm-hmm. would have picked the Eagles if I knew that, but I did. It says here I picked the Jets, so I'm five and one. What was your score prediction? Your, I said thirty-three to twenty-seven. Oh, high, I thought it was going to be high man. score. We all kind of thought that. I'm, I'm three but, and three, um, right? But I did say they win by six, so I did That's nail right. that. Uh, I'm three and three, right? Yeah, nice, right. so I got a Jets. five and one record on the line. All right, let's hear it. I got Jets seventeen, Giants nine. Oh, okay, nice pretty, little pretty low close scoring. to what mine was. All right, let's hear it, Rivka. Jets seventeen, Giants thirteen. You guys are un- not believing in this Jets offense. I'm going Jets twenty seven, Giants ten. I think that I think the, I think Zach Wilson has a nice game. That's the, you know. You know, I just they haven't they've been able to move the ball fairly well between the twenties. The they just zone. have it's the red zone. And and the thing is, like maybe if, if they get some long touchdowns, you know, you know how Zach Wilson had in his rookie year where he had a bunch of balls down at the one, right? And even even yeah. last year there yeah. were a few before, you know, where we're like I'm sure, I'm sure Michael one. made a compilation of that. I mean, think about it. You know, Brees has had a couple of runs where it was like he was one ankle tackle away from breaking it for a touchdown or like Garrett Wilson, if he hadn't celebrated instead of going down to try to block the last guy, maybe Brees would have scored on that opening in that opening game. But like they can't turn it into touchdowns. That's why it's so devastating when those tackles happen, because you know that they're not going to score. Yeah, no, something's got to give Giants are 20 and not quite as bad as the Jets offense, but they are 21st in red zone defense. So it, it is an opportunity. I mean, look, ultimately, the Jets have scored 18.8 points per game, and the Giants have scored 12.1. I mean, you know, how many points are you going to predict with that kind of thing? What do you think the key – I mean, I don't want to – not to – we should get out of here, but what do you think – I mean, I guess last kind of topic, uh, the key to fixing these these red zone woes. I mean, is is there something that the Jets could be doing that they're not? I mean, it seems like they're kind of the victim of 
I don't want to say bad circumstance, but especially in that Eagles game, it's like it's just either one sack or one penalty. It's one negative play that just puts them in that second and 20, and then it's it's hard for this Jets offense, really any offense, but particularly an offense that isn't uber aggressive and throwing downfield when they get when they get way behind in the chains uh, to make up for it. Um, so it's like, you know, they don't really use – they haven't had too many opportunities to, but it's not like they, they target Conklin or Lazard too often in the red zone. It seems like it's – it's very much like when the field gets condensed, Zach Wilson is just focused on not making the mistake. And is there anything in particular, I guess, Rivka, I'll start with you, that you think the Jets should be doing more in the red zone to, to kind of open it up a little bit? Well, three things. And one of them you just mentioned, um, you know, Herman Edwards once said that he's fine with um, with a drive unless it ends as long as it ends in a kick. Um, I got you know, you get the sense a lot that, that that's the Jets attitude of like, just don't turn it over. We'll take the points. You know, don't worry about it. Stop with that attitude. I know, you know, it's really frustrating to see Zach throw picks, but, you know, in within the red zone, I'm sorry, you have to let him throw the ball. You have to, you have to let him just throw the ball. Now, the second thing is that Zach, again, we talk about him reading things faster. He needs to throw with more anticipation, meaning he very often waits to see if a guy opened before throwing the ball. Rogers is too much the opposite. We're meaning he throws with such anticipation that you know, at times he would even get picked or, or, you know, especially last year where things would happen because the guy didn't actually get open. He trusted his receivers to get open, you know, to be open, and they weren't. There has to be some happy medium, though, where you see the coverage, you see what's happening. Don't wait that extra tick because in the red zone there's so little space. You need to be able to win it. When you see the coverage, you see where the guy's going. And there's some plays where it's not really possible, and the guy, you watch it frame by frame, you're like, oh, he was open. But then there are some plays where it's like, come on, you should be looking at Garrett Wilson over here. Like, you know, you see where the defense Defender is on him, you know, trust him to, to, to beat his guy and you don't have to wait until you see him open to throw the ball, um, you know, just based on the spacing. So that's, that's another one. And then, as you said, um, also like the, the lost plays, the negative plays um, and especially, I mean, you know, penalties, you know, within the red zone, getting called for, you know, false starts, getting called for holding um, it's, it's got to stop. Um, you know, they, they, they've got to, they've just got to tighten that up. Michael. Yeah, I think for me, the thing that I have been looking for more of is kind of more shot plays, like not even even before we get to the red zone, slightly before 30 to 20 yard line. But even once you get in like 20 to 10 yard line, I want to see more shots from that range, which, you know, they took a couple against the Eagles. There was the Garrett Wilson one handed catch attempt against Bradbury. And I think there was another one where he was kind of had Bradbury on top of him. So uh, I think they did a couple, but. I think there are opportunities for them to take some shots and, you know, not have to pound the ball all the way down to the goal line, you know, yard by yard. Uh, you you can score from 10 yards, 20 yards out. It's okay. You're allowed to do that. You don't have to go all the way down to the goal line. So I would like to, especially when they're running the ball well, like I think the Denver game was the best example of this when they had opportunities to take those shots, but they stuck with the run game kind of to a fault and they would end up getting stuffed once the defense finally clamped down on it. So I would like to see more shot plays in that, in that, you know, back half of the rent of the red zone and even just outside of it. Yeah. Like you don't have to, I mean, it's kind of like what you were saying where um, I think you, you tweeted this during the game where you wrote, you know, you'd like to see the jets on second and two take some shots as opposed to just taking the yeah, first down. Right. Um, you know, again, when you have an, an opportunity where like, wait, you know, do it before things get so condensed that everything gets harder. Um, you know, 
like again running a running a like a whatever they tried with out and up or stutter go with with Wilson when you're in when you're like in in tight is you know there's just not a lot of space there the guy can can kind of hug you know kind of wall off the space whereas if you do it from 25 30 yards out you you have just more room to fool him yeah no I and look I do think this is an opportunity like you said Michael I mean the Giants 21st in red zone defense this is a great opportunity and really I mean we talked about it the first six weeks of this Jets season was the gauntlet and if they could make it through even with Rodgers we're talking they can make it through three and three things soften up considerably and the Jets can sneak into the playoffs it, it it's not just the, the caliber of teams that they've been facing, but it's it's caliber of defense they've been facing. And the Jets, these next couple of weeks, get a nice – actually, these next three weeks, Giants, Chargers, Raiders, a chance for Zach Wilson to, to play against some lesser competition, and let's see what he can do with it. And it all starts with the red zone. So uh, excited to watch this Sunday. Uh, Rivka, I really appreciate you coming on the pod. You were great. Uh, let our listeners know where they, where they can read your – I mean, you have the Jets listeners listening, so keep that in mind, where they can find your work. Um um, and you know, obviously, uh, I assume you're going to be cheering for the Jets this weekend. I don't. I mean, right? Oh, I definitely will be cheering okay. for the Jets. Right. This I just weekend. wanted to make sense. Um, make sure. Yeah, when the Jets play the Giants, I'm like any other Jet fan. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, so you can. I'm saying you can find my work on Jets X Factor. Um, you know that that's really mainly where I write. I don't think there are really too many um, Jets Giants fans out there, so yeah. I'm not going to plug the Giants the Giants site. Um, and yeah, that's really the main place to, uh, to interact with me. Um, and I, I'm going to say, I'm hoping to start my own podcast soon. Uh, nice. just have to get it set up. So it took Michael. Yeah. And I, yeah, I think the hardest part is coming up with the name. Michael and I went back and forth for like yeah. probably three weeks trying to come up with the name. I think we, I think we did all oh, right. Also, also quickly, Ben, like I did a giants podcast earlier today. A couple guys had me on and they said about the podcast, like one guy's like, he was so impressed with the name. He's like, that is the best name I've ever heard. <laughs> is that, was that, was that Nick Filato on there or was, or yeah, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he writes for Big Blue View also. It's got, it's a double he's entendre. Their main, he's their main, it's got, it's yeah, got all sorts of meanings guy. behind it. It's Michael. I give you right, like, it's, a, it's not only a Jets pun, but like it also is fitting with like on hot take struggles, sports like culture. Hot take sport, yeah, exactly. That. Michael, that was you. No, you came up with name, it. Though, yeah. I went back and looked through our text. I was like, who came up with the name? And it was you were the first one to float it out. So kudos. Yeah. Um, all right. You can follow us at Pod on Twitter. Myself, Michael underscore Nanny. Or, sorry. Michael and Michael underscore Nanny. Myself, Ben W. Blessington. Go to JetsXFactor.com. Best place to go for Jets content. Uh, please rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. It helps out the pod a ton. Also, su- subscribe to the Jets X Factor YouTube. We post all of our pods and the other Jets X uh, pods there. Um, I think that's it. Oh, Rivka, I just I want to say, you know, I do appreciate you um, letting go of DeAndre Swift after week one. You know, he just needed a fantasy manager to believe in him to really tap his, his true potential and. He's just found a home here with with my team. So you I know, wanna... you know, you're just lucky that I didn't know <laughs> what on earth I was doing <laughs> because literally, if I just kept the team that I drafted, I would be I would be sitting pretty. <laughs> I know you second guess yourself. I know, and then yeah, yeah. If right. I had just kept that team and stuck with it instead of like after week one, I had DeAndre Swift. I had um, I had uh, well, I had Mahomes, but I'm saying I, you know, which I, it doesn't matter as much. But I had Olave. I had uh, who else did I Thank have? You. There was someone else who I got rid of who like. Was re- oh, I had a, a um, a sh- what was his name? The guy from Miami, the running back. How, how do you pronounce oh, his last name? A chain. A chain. I drafted him. <laughs> oh, damn. Yep. And I got rid of him after week two. Oh, man. That's that's a lesson. To, 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 and I picked him because people had said Miami was excited about him. Oh, my God. Well, you know, I, I picked most. I've had you some had bad Puka moves. Nakua, so. I had oh, I added before the season. I added Puka Nakua because I had seen Rams fans talk about him in training camp and I needed another receiver. I was like, let me add this guy. Cup's going to be out, whatever. And then 
15 minutes later, I was like, ah, let me cut him and get Michael Gallup. This guy from BYU, probably nothing. And then, of course, he's great. I've also – I traded away Mostert. I traded away – I had another bad move. I don't know. I've had a few of them. But, Michael, you, you were sitting pretty for a while at first place in the JetX League. Now I think you've fallen a little bit. But you and I play each other. I'm 3-4. and four. You're 4-3. Four and three. It's a big matchup yeah. this weekend. Not so. Connor getting hurt her, and, and Taylor coming back hurt you. I have. Yeah, I will say I, I have had some rough breaks for I sure. I have Brees and the Jets defense and Darren Waller, so I have three guys. Uh, yeah, that that that's, that should be pretty good. Um, Joe uh, uh, Blewett is lucky because he plays me this week. Oh well, so, well you so, know. So he's you're, gonna you're, you're, fo- you're focused on 2024. You're, you're I am. I Taylor. mean, for a while that's why I was trying to tank, and now I'm just like, okay, can I get the best guy to? To, can I trade for the best guy who will be a good keeper for me for next year? You need to win for the culture. For the sake of the culture, you need to get <laughs> I won wins. one game. I didn't get completely obliterated. So, yes. uh, yeah. If, if you win enough games this year, 2024 will be easier for your players. Uh, Michael, I think that's it. Oh, I guess last thing. I mean, Rivka, you're going to have to excuse us for a second. Uniform talk real quickly. <laughs> Michael, white on black. Is that is that the move this weekend? I, I would like it. I think so. All right. White on black. I like it. gives gives you some differentiation from the Giants having some black in there because Giants don't have any black in their uniform really. So I, I kind of like that. All right, but I'm I mean, fan. you can't go wrong with white on white. Um, that's looked good in the preseason games. White on green didn't look too bad when they did it in that preseason game. It's white, so. white on black. Where are the white on black? Come on, I don't like the white on black. No, I think the white on black and the green on green are the only two that I don't like. I like the way I think. It, all right. You know it what? Has do it's the only one minutes. they have a winning record in. With, true. With I know, but I just, I don't know. I don't like it. I feel like look. it's not symmetrical. Uh, I, that is true. I think the defense, for whatever reason, I think they play better in it. I don't know why. <laughs> you know, it's Maybe funny it's... because when they were on that, you know, they were winning those games last year. At least a few of them came where, uh, where they were not, the defense didn't necessarily play so well. Uh, uh, all right. The thing about white and black is it's the most similar to like something a real person would wear. Like you don't see people wearing all white in real life or <laughs> white shirt and green pants, but like white white shirt black pants is pretty normal. So like I think it. That's why I like it. I don't know. More so. Than uh, I like the throwbacks though. I'm a big fan. Yeah. Oh, we are going to tell us that. Like, that. Yeah, please. We want that permanently. Yeah. All right. Uh, thank everybody for listening. Have a great week. Enjoy. The game on Sunday. If they lose, it'll be a disaster on this podcast on Monday. But we'll be back on Monday recapping the game. Everybody have a good one. Go Jets.